right, so welcome to Sunday School class this morning. It is September the 29th, and we will be discussing today the parable of the ten virgins and the importance of the oil. Uh, that is found in Matthew chapter 25 and verses 1 through 13. So I had asked you last week, that was our last question on our handout, was to discuss the parable of the ten virgins. So I asked you to go home this week and read it and see what you would come up with. So what'd y'all come up with? Uh, well, first, uh, the Greek word often translated for virgin is uh, maiden, as a maiden or young woman. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, five of the maidens pre- uh, prepared and, you know, for the uh, journey, because mm-hmm. they filled their land, they had extra, and the five didn't. And they ran out, and they wanted to get some from the... And uh, usually you would say, okay, share and give, but they didn't give them any. Nope. Because if they gave it to them, and they ran out, they wouldn't have any. So they didn't give them any. Okay, very good. That's what I had. All right. Anybody else? Jeanette probably nailed it, didn't she? (laughs) Well, Jeanette, you nailed it. But let's go into um, some more explanation as well. Yes. In a nutshell, you did awesome. That's exactly the answer. But let's look a little deeper, too, because I found some things that I had never... I looked at it in a different way uh, this week than I've ever looked at it before. So uh, it was a little eye-opening for me. Number one is exactly what you said. The word virgin there means a maiden. We use that word today to indicate someone who has not been sexually active. It meant the same thing in those days too, but it mainly um, referred to women. And it was a young maiden normally, and she was of marriageable age and circumstances. So we're told there are ten of them. And we did discuss a little bit about the Jewish uh, tradition of weddings last week. How that there were three stages. There would be uh, an agreement between the parents, the fathers, for the bride and the groom. Then the bride and the groom would get together and they would enter into a betrothal period. That's when the contract was drawn up. And they pretty much at that point are married, but they don't live together. It's in name only at that point. The groom returns to his father's house. The bride returns to her parents' house. She prepares by uh, fixing, uh, preparing her, her clothes and probably other things that she will need as a bride. I'm thinking, you know, the women then, they made linens. They made, um, 
you know, anything, uh, you know, they made their bowls, they made their utensils, everything that would be needed for her to set up housekeeping at a new location as a new wife, as a bride. The groom would go home and prepare their place to live. Normally, it was an addition to the father's house. It was rarely a brand new house, but it was an addition. They would add a room on to his family's house, and that's where he and his bride would live. This betrothal period was normally about a year. So they were married. They couldn't be with anybody else. They couldn't fall in love with anybody else. They were promised to each other. And the only way out of that agreement was if they went through formal divorce proceedings. They were married because of the agreements between the fathers. There was a contract drawn up, oh. and it was legally binding. Sounds like a lot of fun, don't it? Just a contract. They met. Okay. They said, hey, here's your groom. Here's your bride. Boom. We've agreed on this. Here's the contract. Boom. Y'all were married. <laughs> you know, there are places in countries where that still happens. Oh, yeah. In, in India, they're as young as nine years old. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine in our mind because we are given so many freedoms to pick and choose, you know, to fall in love, to meet someone, uh, you know, heaven forbid that our parents should arrange something for us. Um, so that was the story up until this point. Now we get to this parable that Jesus is teaching and that year's period is either closely coming to an end or is at an end. Um, so the bride is really at the point of ready for the groom to come. Because it says now there are 10 bridesmaids that are attending the bride. They are with her at her house to attend her. So it breaks down this group of virgins. And I was trying to figure out how I wanted to draw this. Because starting off with, they're all the same. If you go by just that first description of them, they are marriageable young women. There are 10 of them. They are virgins. But verse 2 of chapter 25 of Matthew tells us five of them were wise and five were foolish. So now you can start breaking them off into groups. We have wise ones and we have foolish ones. Notice here these words, wise and foolish. Not good and bad, not sinner, not saint, but wise and foolish. So let's talk about what these words meant uh, in the Greek when this was um, talked about. The word wise there means prudent. And everybody's going to go, okay, that's good that it means that. What does prudent mean? If you're me, that's what I did. I had to go figure out what prudent meant. 
That means that you um, plan for the future. You give consideration to your decisions today as to how they are going to affect you in the future. They make a plan. They don't go into it willy-nilly. They have an idea of this is what I'm going to need to get me from point A to point B. So there were wise women, wise young maidens that had thoughts for their future. And then we had the foolish ones on the other side. And needless to say, the word that's used here is the word moros, which where we get our word moron. <laughs> so if that gives you any idea. <laughs> um, these women uh, pretty much ran for the moment. They had no forethought for any consequences of their decisions. Hey, this sounds good, let's just do it. Don't worry about what happens tomorrow, tomorrow's another day, if it messes up, we'll clean it up then. So they had no forethought and no plan. They pretty much just lived for the moment. Now as we have read this scripture, and we've studied it, and we've heard it our whole lives, that makes a lot of sense in those two groups of young maidens that are talked about in this parable. One planned for the future, one didn't plan. So, let's look at some comparisons and some differences between these two groups. Verse 3 tells us, They that were foolish took their lamps. So let's say the foolish ones have lamps. Let's stop right there for just a second. Now look down at verse 4. It says, The wise took oil in their vessels, but it says they also have lamps, that they have lamps. So both groups have lamps. Go back to verse 3 again and look at the end of it. It says, The foolish took lamps, but they took no oil. Verse 4 says, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So these people, these women, took extra oil. Because you notice it says they had vessels. They had vessels with extra oil. So this is the difference right here, if you'll notice. It deals with the amount of oil that these two groups of women had. So let's keep going. Let's look in verse 5. It says... While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So who slumbered and slept? All of them did. Wasn't just, you think, okay, they're going to sleep. Guess which group it's going to be? It's going to be the foolish ones. But it says they all slept. 
Now there's two words there. They slumbered and they slept. Now why would they give us two different words to describe that condition for those women? The word slumbered means... Yeah, kind of, they were nodding off. They had become drowsy. I'm really guilty of this on Sunday afternoons. I sit down on the sofa, and especially if there's a football game on, I could care less about football. But, you know, when Adam was at home, Ryan and Adam would watch football. I would sit down on the sofa, and the next thing you knew, I was doing this number. You know, my head would go down, my eyes would get heavy, I would find myself nodding off. So that's what the word slumber means. Was they were nodding off. And then you had the word slept or to sleep. That means they were actually in a reclining position and snoring logs. They were out of it. So that's a full sleep mode. Fully in sleep. But it says this applies to both of them. Both groups. So guess what? You cannot fault the foolish ones for going to sleep because they all did. And pay attention to those because there's that nodding off where you lose what's going on around you for a few seconds, and then you rouse back up, and you might have missed something in the interim. In a football game, somebody could have sure scored a touchdown. The last time you looked at the TV, it might have been 10 to 7, and you wake up, and you look at the TV, and now it's 10 to 14. Somebody scored a touchdown and an extra point. You've missed something that happened while you were nodding off. If you go into a full sleep, which was me, I'd wake up and the ball game would be off and I'd go, who won? Because I missed not just one little part, I missed the whole thing. If we look at these two things and we put it in a spiritual, um, a spiritual definition, we have to think about this first one as being lethargy which is the same thing nodding off not paying attention not doing things that we know we should do that there is a lethargy we let things slip by and we miss things now unfortunately if we get in church sometimes and it's comfortable and even if the preacher is up there just red-faced and going off and preaching really good, there are times that we can still nod off. And we lose something that He is telling us. We can be reading our Bible and fall asleep. Nod off. Yeah. We miss things in this state. We may not miss everything, but we can miss important things. And then we have this full sleep, 
which just basically means, hey, we're not doing anything. We have moments here where we miss things. With full sleep, we can miss hours. We can miss days. We can put things on the back burner that we think are unimportant anymore. We, we change our perspective of things that we should be doing. Lethargy. Hey, I'll read my, you know, whereas used to I read my Bible every day. Well, I got other things going on today. I'll skip it today and I'll read two chapters tomorrow. But you never catch up. Exactly, Jeanette. A lot of times you never catch up. If you skip one day, you'll find yourself skipping two days. It'll go into three days. Before you know it, it's been a week. Oh my goodness, I haven't read the Bible. And at that point, you're never going to catch up to where you were at. You can start over again. But what have you missed in that time period that God could have been talking to you and wanting to show you things? Not that you might not see them later on, but it might have been something you needed to plan for the future, to prepare for the future. Whoop. Come on in. I don't know. I made sure I come today. <laughs> I was going to wait. I need to go Yes, ma'am. I had a feeling you were Might as well show up. <laughs> You knew it was going to happen. If you hadn't been here today, we'd have brought it to you next week. I learned my lesson the last time. Happy birthday, T. Good morning. Oh, just in time. Yes, celebration. Princess for the day. Welcome, welcome. We are glad you are here. That's okay. We are discussing the ten virgins. There are no questions, but you're just writing down comments on this one. So, yes, I... Did you get a picture, Linda? Not yet, but I'm just fixing to. Oh, she's good. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you, T, for participating. (laughs) Happy birthday. I hope you have a wonderful one. So we were talking about the ten virgins and the differentiators between the the two groups, the wise and the foolish, and we had gotten to where they were all slumbering and sleeping. And that there were two words that were used there. One meant nodding off. The slumbering means they were nodding off or drowsy and losing moments of things. The other one is that they were sleeping, which is a full reclined out of it, total sleep. And how those relate to spiritual conditions that we can find ourselves in. We can find ourselves missing moments with the lethargy and the nodding off where we don't do what we're supposed to do. I mentioned reading our Bibles. One day we say, I'll catch up tomorrow because I'm not going to read today. 
And before we know it, it's been a week and we haven't read our Bible. Or the same thing with prayer, the same thing with church. Lots of things that we should be doing that we know we should do, uh, that God expects of His children to do, and we let them pass us by because we choose to nod off or to sleep instead. So all ten virgins, the wise and the foolish, they all brought lamps. They all had some oil. We said the wise brought extra oil, according to Scripture, but that they all were sleeping. Now, why did they go to sleep? Look at verse 5 of Matthew 25. It says, while the bridegroom tarried. That's when they went to sleep. So the bridegroom, for some reason, even though they were expecting him to come, remember we had talked about this year's period was either coming to a very close end or it was at an end. Now it might have even gone over that year's period when they were expecting him. But it says the bridegroom tarried. That word tarried there means he was delayed. He was delayed in coming to get the bridal party. Doesn't tell us why he was delayed. Doesn't say how long he was delayed. But it says because he was delayed, they all went to sleep. Or they were nodding off. I want you to think about this. Both groups had lamps and had some oil that we know of for sure. They prepared for the bridegroom to come. They were not prepared for him to be delayed. They were ready. Hey, he's supposed to come tonight. We are ready for him to come tonight. But guess what? Now it's been a week and he's not come back yet. Now we're not as prepared. Think about that scripturally for your Christian life. If we knew within a week that Jesus was coming back for us, would we be prepared? Would we be nodding off? Would we be sleeping? No. We don't know when He's coming back. But I hope that each and every one of us believe He is coming back. And that we do need to be prepared. We need to fall into the wise group of virgins, the wise maidens, the wise marriageable people that plan for the future, regardless of whether he comes on time or if he is delayed. We need to have our house in order. We need to have all of our supplies ready. So at this point, they're all asleep. Bridegroom hasn't shown up like he was supposed to. They're asleep. Verse 6 says, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Now they said in the procession, it was normally not the bridegroom that made the call. There was, for better word, an announcer that would go through the city and make the call. It was made loud enough that all of these ten virgins that were asleep heard it. 
Now, whether they were fully asleep, reclined on the floor, snowing logs, or if they were nodding off every two minutes, they all heard him because it says in verse 7, all of them, then all these virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. So now, guess what? They're all awake. They have all been awoken by the cry that the bridegroom is coming. So now they are fully awake and they take their lamps and they are trimming them. Well, when they trimmed their lamps, they were getting them ready to make sure that they would give light for the bridal procession to go to the groom's home. They were awake in plenty of time to take care of that, to make sure it was done. So they're preparing their lamps. They're awake and they're working on their lamps, both groups. So half are panicking and half are uh, excited because half are now saying, wait a minute, I can yeah. prepare. Yeah. Verse 8, it tells us exactly that. It says, and the foolish, remember the ones? They're not planning for their future. They have no, no forethought. They kind of live in the moment. The foolish say to the wise, who have planned for the future, because we are told that they carried vessels with extra oil. We are told the foolish had lamps and no extra oil. They say, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. So there's two trains of thought that go along with that. Um, Either their lamps are totally out. It says a wick without oil may give off a momentary light, but then there's a puff of smoke and the light is snuffed out. Or it could be that that word means they are going out. Because remember, now they're in a hurry because they know they only have minutes before the bridegroom is going to come. And they have to be ready to go out with their lamps lit. And it's midnight, so they've already been going since sundown to midnight. Yeah. That's why I said they both had some oil because that's the point Donna just made. The lamps had been burning since nighttime. Mm -hmm. They already had some. These women prepared, planned for the future. They were prudent. They took extra oil in case there was not enough to burn the whole time. These had just enough to last for a few hours. They were not prepared. Most commentators believe that that should have been trans, uh, translated, not our lamps are gone out, but our lamps are going out. Because once a lamp has gone out, it takes a lot more preparation and more than just oil to get it started back. If there is a slight flicker on that wick, you can put more oil on it and it will burst back into a flame. So that's why most commentators think the lamp had not gone out completely and that's why they asked for more oil. Because they knew, hey, if you give us a little bit, we'll be okay and our lamps will show. Mm-hmm. To keep it bright, to grow, to keep it shining. Mm-hmm. Fan your flame. Yeah. Stir up 
the gift that is within yes. you. It's what Paul tells to Timothy. Yes. You don't go to somebody else for it. Yes. You cannot go and get this from somewhere else. This preparation has to be made by each and every one of us individually. Their problem is that they didn't plan for the oil to run out. They didn't plan to exhaust their supply. They thought they had enough. So the wise tell them, no, they say not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Well, you know, they didn't have a QT on the corner that sold lamp oil 24-7. It is midnight. All of the stores are closed. Do you imagine that they ran to the next door neighbors and asked for oil? I'd be panicking like that. Yes. He's coming. The yeah. announcement's been made. Yeah. I think each and every one of us would do that. Oh, I have got to have oil in my lamp or I can't go. We would be panicking and running to and fro trying to find oil. Like beating on that arc when that rain came. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not something that anyone else can do for you. Mm-hmm. You have to plan and prepare. We go through things. We're told in Scripture that we're going to have trials and tribulations. That there are things that are going to come against us And we just lollygag along, along our lives, and then we hit that pitfall. Well, you know what? We've been slumbering and sleeping. We haven't been praying. We haven't been reading our Bible. We haven't been lifting ourselves up, encouraging ourselves in God. And then guess what? We get over here to wherever this stumbling block, this wall, this problem, this difficulty that we're going to encounter, we run up against that wall and we're pretty much just butting our heads against it. We have not prepared beforehand to face this moment. We have to stay on guard. We have to stay prepared. We have to, to stay studied up, prayed up. The things that we get along our journey is what prepares us for what's coming ahead. What we get in this moment may not be for this moment. It may be for tomorrow at 12 o'clock. It may be for a week from now when something happens. You never know what life is going to give you, but God does. And He will prepare you if you're wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember, in my grandma's house, they, they needed those lamps mm-hmm. for the light upstairs because they didn't have... So the next morning, she would fill the the lamps and trim the wick. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Preparation. I remember that. Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. My mom had two oil lamps. You know, the, the glass oil lamps yes. where you put yep. the oil yep. in it. She had yep. those and they, we never lit them until the power went out. And then you were really glad yep. that she had them. She always kept oil in them. Mm-hmm. But you know what else she kept? An extra bottle of oil and extra wicks. We were prepared just in case 
it went out for longer. You know, the power went out and we didn't have electricity. See, our generation is going to be the last one. The ones below us aren't going to know this. They're not going to see it with their own eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we... Yep. Nowadays, we have the flashlight app on our phone. So if the lights go out or if it's dark, we just flip that flashlight on. I do it when I take my dog out at night for him to go potty. You know, it's dark outside. Turn the light on, follow him around the yard, get him back in the house. Now, trimming that wick's going to be charging the battery, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what we rely on nowadays, it's the same thing spiritually. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That is you know? dangerous, right? That is dangerous ground. And you see we, all ten, all of us are there. Mm-hmm. So it says in verse 10, while they went to buy. So we know for sure that these went to go buy. They had enough. They were prepared. They were taken care of. These foolish ones had to go try and buy at midnight. In uh, biblical times when there wasn't anything. And when girls shouldn't have been running around the streets at midnight. Probably not. (laughs) Then, same as now, but we won't go there. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. So these were able to go in, and the door was shut. We're not told if the foolish were ever able to buy oil. But we are told that they show up where the wedding feast was to take place. And that they knock on the door and they say, Lord, Lord, open up to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Not prepared. Not able to handle when the problem arose. No forethought as to what that decision would make for them. Look at these statistics. It's 50%. Do you believe there's 50% of people that say they're Christians? Are people, 50% of the, I'll get this out, of all of the group of people that profess to be Christians, if the percentage is the same, 50% of them are not actually Christians. We could relate that to our church this morning. People filling chairs this morning, are 50% of them ready? Are they prepared? Have they had the forethought? Are they wise? Are they prudent? Where are they at in this journey? If they are slumbering and nodding off or if they are sleeping and they are awakened, what shape is their lamp in? Has it gone out? Is there oil there? 50% is a very sobering thought. Could be less. I honestly think that percentage is much higher. We are foolish. We are moros. We are morons. Because we do not tend to our spiritual welfare. What does the Bible say that God will do with the lukewarm? 
Literally that a lukewarm church, a lukewarm person that is not on fire for him makes him sick at his stomach and he will vomit them out. We read that. We hear it preached. And it doesn't even really affect us. We've heard it preached for so long. He's delayed. He's tarried. He hasn't come back. And we sleep. We slumber. We don't pay attention to our spiritual welfare. And if we don't watch it, when He does come, and when the cry happens, we won't be let in that marriage supper. We will not make it to that wedding. We will not be part of the bride of Christ. So how does this relate to the anointing oil that was placed on Aaron's head? And how all of the vessels, the furnishings, everything in the tabernacle were anointed with oil. It was a preparation for ministry. It was a preparation for worship. It was a preparation to lead people to God. Well, guess what? If our lamps are burning, that means our lights are shining. And they will continue to shine even in the rough times because we've made a plan for our future. That when we're walking along here, we have been preparing. We have been praying with each step. We have been reading our Bible and we, we come up against this roadblock. We don't fall. We don't falter. We're strong. We can handle it. And all of these people that are out here watching our walk, because they are. People are watching. They'll see that. But you know what? They've seen our diligence here. They want to see how are you going to react when you get here. And you're prepared. You can handle what's thrown at you. But if you don't do that preparation beforehand... We'll be scrambling at the last minute trying to find a way to get through what we're going through. And we may make it. We may not. Yep. Yep. There are many times where the words Lord, Lord are used in Scripture. And He says, I'm sorry, I know you not. Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we eat with you? All of these things about our relationship with God, but he's like, "Mm -mm, uh uh-uh, you may have thought you had a relationship with me, but it was very superficial. You didn't actually get in there and have a relationship with me. You didn't allow it to grow. You didn't allow it to to increase. You didn't learn. So it says... We talked about each one of us having an unction. Remember that word unction? Anointing. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, You have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. We know this. The Spirit teaches us this. And He goes on to say, The the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in ye. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all things and is truth, and is no lie, and even it hath been taught you, you shall abide in him. 
It's been taught. The Spirit teaches again and again and again to you. Exposes this as truth. Verse 28 says, And now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, when the bridegroom cometh, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Guard that anointing that is within your life. Prepare for your future. Be a wise maiden. Be a wise Christian. Prepare because God's given us the outline. We have it in Scripture. So let's have a word of prayer before we go upstairs. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word today. Thank You for the warnings that You give us. Lord, that you want us to be prepared. You don't want any to not make it to your home. But Lord, you warn us that there will be those that won't make it because they are foolish. Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to be wise stewards of the anointing that you have placed within us. Wise stewards of your word. Wise stewards of prayer. Lord, just everything that we can do, Lord, to make it these days, Lord, let us do it. And do it for your honor and for your glory, Lord. Help us to be prepared and help us to be ready for when you come back, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. You are dismissed.